he's got a huge announcement for a new venture at his Minatus project. Uh, this this other company that he had started before this and hypes it the fuck up. Twelve days later, they file for bankruptcy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Right. Welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie. I'm joined today by Brent Philbin. What is up? What is up? Today is a much anticipated episode. Brent and I actually, I would actually argue this is probably our most anticipated episode in, in the entire podcast. I'm willing to go wow. that far. I'm Holy. going that far. That it, does, it's, here's the thing. That doesn't say much for the anticipation of this episode. It says something for the anticipation of all the other ones. Because it's not like we tell anybody that they're coming, but they got a glimpse of this one because I made a Reddit post and it went automatically into the into the Discord. <laughs> so exactly, one of my Leroy Jenkins activities was to get that Reddit hook right into the Discord, and I like it. So we are covering Tezos. This is a long-awaited project. It is very controversial, and I think we're going to have some pretty extreme opinions on both ends of the spectrum during this episode. I think we might as well get started with our personal biases coming in. Brent, what do you think the audience should know? I So I did own Tezos for approximately like, I don't know, a week or something. So we have this friend who like calls me, calls me up and he's like, hey, trust me, got some great information. You got to buy Tezos. And, and I thought it was Tezos at the time. He thought it was Tezos. And... I, Based on your accent of choice, I I actually don't know which oh, character. No, I'm pro, I'm I'm protecting his identity. There would have been a real well, actually he doesn't have much of an accent, but I could have done an accent that would have made it obvious. That's who it was. fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, it's not like he's giving me permission to say his name, but yeah, he said, "Oh, all this great stuff's happening by Tezos," and and I was like, "All right." So I did like an idiot. I didn't do any research. I didn't know anything about it. I still didn't. I, I bought the stuff. And then it was like $100 or something. I got so tilted by having to use HitBTC at the time that – and it's still sitting on there because I didn't even research how to use their wallets. And eventually I was like, you know what? I don't want to have anything on HitBTC. I don't know anything about this project. What the fuck am I doing? So don't be a Brent. Don't just buy something because some idiot tells you go ahead and buy it. And uh, especially if those idiots are us. And yeah, that was so that was my biases. I, I had a negative opinion of HitBTC because of Tezos, and I've I continue to have that negative opinion because I think their exchange sucks. And uh, I have a a negative opinion of the situation overall, uh, and without knowing anything about it. Going in, I knew nothing. I just knew that there was was the situation, and they talked shit to Cardano for what I could not discern was a good reason. I feel like the procrastinator in both of us kept pushing this off. Like we knew it was worth covering. We knew there was going to be a lot to this. We knew this wasn't just going to be something we were going to write off because it's clearly not going anywhere in my opinion. And, mm -hmm. you know, but here we are. Um, let's get into the company's vision so that we kind of have an understanding of what's going on. You know, I don't know if you're going to fully summarize the white paper or kind of give it a brief rundown, but let's get into the vision of Tezos. All right, so their vision is reasonably clear. Uh, they they were a self-amending crypto ledger that uses smart contracts and on-chain gov on chain governance to create the ecosystem. Um, and self-amending is going to be one of the terms that we use a lot. That basically means they don't fork when they when they update. Uh, all of the software automatically updates 
So the miners don't, or not the miners, I'm sorry, but the stakers don't necessarily have to accept the update. It's the same thing as an app on your phone. The first time you connect, it updates, you're good, and it does it for the entire network based on the governance. So that's their little difference from, you know, in an Ethereum update require everybody to update their own nodes or continue to work off of an old one if they want to and maybe produce bad blocks that way. So they wanted to get around that, and that's kind of their, that and on-chain governance are their big uh, tilts. Self-amendment, huh? This uh, That is not something I was expecting to get into, but that is, as described, is certainly very interesting. This history is going to be long, and I plan on interrupting you a few times during <laughs> this. So just be forewarned, um, let's get into the history of Tezos. And I see here you started with a little breakdown of the four main characters involved in the in the main story here. Why don't we go over those real quick? Okay, so I'll even start before that. So I, with the Tezos thing or Tezos, I was fa- I was finding as usual on stuff like this where it's controversial. I was finding really polarizing things when I was looking for this, and I don't like to start with the polarizing things. I like to look at them afterwards to get more of a. Uh, you know, I want to look at the pros. I want to look at the cons. I want to look at the people who say it's a scam. The people who say just, it's a great project. Just to slow you down ever. for a second, um, just to be a little clearer for the audience, um, I know what you mean by polarizing, and what you're meaning there is the really extreme stuff on one side and the really extreme stuff on the other right. side. You don't want to just you don't want to focus in on that. We really want to be skeptical of all projects, right? And 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 why you know earlier I mentioned we kind of put this off because we wanted to approach this with a really critical outlook and we knew that was going to take a lot of effort so mm-hmm. here we are we want to find out where this falls in the middle because i don't believe this is a scam i don't believe this is the best thing since sliced bread but like with everything is probably somewhere in the middle um go ahead and continue yeah so so what i actually did is i went to their to their reddit and posted and i was like hey listen we're, we're gonna do a podcast episode can somebody give me a more uh balanced view of this i'd like a link to what happened in the past that one of the first responses i got was like get the fuck out of here that doesn't matter anymore and i was like oh no another one of those communities but luckily that was the only person that did that so there were a couple people came in gave me a lot of good links and i was able to kind of start to break this down so you're right i'm going to start with the start with the four people i'm not going to do this whole thing justice and i'm going to try to go through it as quickly as i can because the fact the the drama here is core to Tezos and what made it what it is today, but at the same time, they are mostly past it. So it's uh, with a caveat to that, which I'll explain later. Yeah, before we get into this, like I actually don't think I mentioned my biases. Did we skip that part early? Uh, I biased. Yeah, you. I you didn't. Right, so. I don't think that I did. So I'm going to make sure that that's included. Uh, the funny story about my history with, with Tezos, this was the very, very first altcoin that I wanted to acquire. I met somebody that had invested in the ICO and he gave me the type of sales job that I kind of wanted. It was basically, um, he was very skeptical himself. He understood that it, it was a risky investment. He understands crypto. And, and this conversation was before I knew what Ethereum was, basically. This this was when this conversation happens. I remember having a chat with some people that we've had on the show and asking them, how do I get Tezos? What is it? I didn't even understand how my wallets worked at this time. I didn't understand most things. I think I only had 
some Bitcoin and Coinbase. And that was basically it. So I was kind of sold on the dream of this kind of early on, but I quickly learned and it became kind of irrelevant to me because by the time I got to those steps, I became knowledgeable enough to get there. It had already been something that I had already pushed off to the side and it never actually invested in. So by the time the drama came around was when I was more comfortable acquiring digital assets. Uh, I've never owned Tezos and I don't know that I will, but I know that this conversation is going to go a couple different directions and I'm, I'm interested to see where it lands. All right. So first thing I want to say is before we even introduce these people, before the ICO even happened, they had an alpha network, which is not normal. I wish more ICOs did that where they came to you with an alpha product and they're like, this is what we need funding for. We need the funding to get this onto the beta and get this released instead of, hey, <laughs> I wrote a project for school. This is it sounds really nice. Give me millions and then having it happen. So um <laughs> Uh, the, so the key players in the story are Arthur and Kathleen Brightman, the, or known as the Brightmans. They're basically the creators of Tezos, uh, or Tezos. They are the ones who developed the code and developed the intellectual property behind it. Uh, uh, Johan Gevers is this guy who kind of came in with like some business savvy, and he was there to help him run things. He was the the fo- he's the former president of the foundation. Now he's the creator. Of Tezos kind of like he helped them create it and he also founded a company called Monetas which was supposed to be a new financial solution uh, that wasn't crypto that was kind of centralized like an initiative queue but something else and finally uh, Ryan Jesperson who is the current president of the foundation he won't come until later so the three main players are the Brightmans Gevers and there's some other side people that come in that we're going to talk about uh Mostly Gevers is the villain of the story, but I don't think he should be the only one to blame for what happens here. That's yeah, that's a fair assessment so far. Uh, all right, so they so Tezos or Tezos was ready to go, so they got their they decided to start their foundation so that they could get everything on the up and up to do the ICO. They do want this to be a decentralized project. They didn't foresee the problems, and whereas something like Cardano did where they decentralized even their situation with who held the funds and where the funds were so that if one leg disappeared, the others could continue on. Uh, Tezos didn't do that, so this ends up being a big issue as it goes down. So there was only a three-person board, and they decided to um, put Gevers in charge of the board as the president because they liked each other at the time. Um, the red flag started to started to come up when... Gevers kind of didn't seem interested in running the company that he was already claiming he had just gotten a big round of funding for. He turned down offers from Kathleen Brightman to help him take his pitch deck around to other people because uh, she was pretty connected with hedge funds and stuff like that. So that was that was like the first little red flag indication. Um, the board decided to give Gevers control of everything. So they made him the single solitary uh, signer on all the bank accounts, on everything like that. And that was done through a vote of the three of them. Now, this is in Zug, Switzerland. So one of the three board members has to be a Swiss citizen. Uh, the other one was a guy who kind of knew them both, uh, but wasn't really you know, too assertive, I guess. Up to this point in the story, we're right at the ICO. It's July 2017, and the ICO raises $232 million. All right, so I'm, I am going to stop you there because everything I had read up to this point – and I'm pretty sure this was a monumental uh, milestone in the 
in the ICO world. At the time, I believe the next largest one was probably 40 or 50 million, if no, I recall correctly. It was probably the Dow. The uh, the Ethereum Dow was 150 million or something like oh, that. Oh, 150, but, okay. Yeah, but <laughs> this was the biggest ICO of all time at the time. Now, we obviously, we've got plenty more since that EOS decided to <laughs> blow that out of the water. Yeah, so... Um, after the ICO is complete, they take in the $232 million. The foundation has a contract with the Brightmans. The Brightmans are not a part of the foundation, but they hold the intellectual property to Tezos. And they have a contract with the foundation that says the foundation needs to deliver the working network within nine months. So the foundation needs to take their money and start hiring people, getting developers in there, get everything going. And uh, and then they'll deliver the product and everything will be good to go. The Brightmans get paid. They had a nice compensation package for everything. They would get some tokens. They would get some uh, percentage of the ICO that was raised. And uh, and then everybody would be happy. Are you trying to get me there? No, I, I decided not to interject. <laughs> All right. So I, I changed my mind. All right. So um, – but otherwise, the um, the foundation has control of all the funds for the most part. Gevers uh, suggested that his company and the foundation, so his company, Monatus, and the foundation have the same COO. Now, the only reason this matters is because it comes into play later. Uh, and also, and he also, like, when he's trying to say, hey, let's get this guy come in as a COO, he's like, this guy will work for tokens only. It's fine. He's a great deal. Let's bring him in. This is where their problems started because the um, the, the Brightman uh, Arthur Brightman is like, why do we need to scrimp on money? We have two hundred thirty-two million dollars. Let's hire somebody good. Why do we got to pay this guy in tokens? I don't understand. <laughs> Here's what I will say. Actually, um, I expected in my I didn't do nearly as much research as you did, but I, I did a little bit of preparing for this, and I actually was surprised at how Arthur's attitude, his speaking. And I, I expected him to be a more polarizing figure to me. And I feel like I was pleasantly surprised at um, how well he was conducting himself in the things that I watched. And, you know, it was almost like a reminder that like the, the people that are playing at the stakes that these types of ICOs are going these are really, really qualified individuals, right? And like, that's one of the biggest issues with regular people like us trying to analyze significantly smarter people than us is that we can only do so much to like mm -hmm. understand where these people are coming from, where they're going. And a lot of the times, you know, we're making character opinions on people that we're getting a really small look into their world. So, you know, this was again, another complicated project because a guy like Arthur, I did not expect to you know, win me over in a sense, like he did kind of through this research. Yeah. I don't know how you ended up feeling about it. I feel like he handled the public very well. He handled, uh, he handled Gevers awful. I mean, he, he handled him adversarial pretty quickly. Now we don't know all of their communications, but he was a dick over the course of this process to Gevers, which is what led Gevers to doing what he does. And, and we'll get to that. But this whole thing to me boils down to a personality conflict that, uh, that caused – there was a quote in one of the articles that said Gevers was the kind of guy who wouldn't spend 10 – I think they call it, they said shillings or some currency uh, on anything. But he would hold up a billion-dollar project in order to get 10 shillings from somebody that he believed owed them to him or something like that. It sounds like a poker player. <laughs> So, uh, so, so we're starting to get the red flags, right? So he starts to say, Hey, this guy, we should have the same COO of my other company and this company. He's, he's going to work cheap. 
this personality conflict start to happen and they sounded as I was now there were a lot of them. There were a lot of back and forth. I'm not gonna say what all of them were. I will say my assessment is that Arthur was aggressive and he was um probably the impetus to this, but Gathers may have ended up scamming anyways, you know, you know or or causing the problem anyways. So you never know. But um they they basically fought like a couple that had broken up, gotten back together, broken up, gotten back together. And anytime anybody did anything, boom, that was it. They were at 100. They were fighting each other. They were going crazy, and there was a problem. So we've seen this a lot in our in our lives. When trust gets broken, that is something that's really, really difficult to amend, right? Yeah. Uh, when you get in a bad relationship, right, and you're in for many years – that you're in for those many years because you trust that the two of you have mutual goals that, and you're trying to go in the same direction. When that trust gets broken and you decide to break up from that relationship, that long-term bitterness doesn't go away. And, and the one thing that I, I kind of meant to mention a little bit earlier, we've, and we see this a lot in the crypto space. The entire idea of running a massive scale project is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, this is a tough business. This is so hard. People, you, the stakes are so high that people are trying to stab you in the back everywhere you turn. But at the same time, you know, we can also look at, you know, this Beyond Blocks conference that you guys went to recently in Thailand. How many amazing people did you meet there that you would trust with a lot of things? Yeah, no, the, there's a lot of people that really exuded trust and, and you would... We're in this space where we're trying... I'm glad you brought up trust because it's literally my next point. So yeah. <laughs> the, the this space is kind of trying to eliminate that. But in order to do that, we have to trust the people that are going to take us there. So- oh, yeah. If you're building the pickaxes for this world, right... You have to have some trust components built in in order to release them. And, you know, we've knocked on IOTA a few times. Um, we've admitted that we haven't taken the time to re-update that episode so much. But it's another one where we're very conflicted about the centralization versus the non-decentralization idea where there's a lot of trust involved in that project still. They haven't necessarily – I don't believe they've done anything recently to to betray that trust, but the trust still exists, right? right. And and that's that's what we have a problem with. Yeah. So here's a quote from this Gevers guy. As he's trying, remember that guy I mentioned that was COO of both companies. Yeah, he st- he he decides we need to make him the CFO of the of the company, but he doesn't tell uh he doesn't tell the Brightmans. Originally, he had told them, "Hey, this guy should be the COO." Now he says he should be the CFO, and he only tells the board. And he doesn't mention that he tried to put this guy on and make him work for free earlier. So it seemed like this guy was kind of part of you know what might have been going down here. But Sounds like a puppet master in a puppet situation. When the board tries to push back, this is what he sends them. We also need to remember that no amount of systems, in quotes, will ever be able to replace trust. If we don't trust each other and our competence, all of this will not work no matter how many systems we put in place. They're trying to literally create a trustless system, a decentralized trustless system, and he's lecturing them on trust in the process as he's doing something shady. So that was like another, you know, just another one of the red flags that was coming up about this. And by the way, at this point, nobody knows anything. The public does not know any of this. So this is, this is the, the coin's still mooning at this point. I mean, it's going up with everything else and the public thinks everything's on the up and up. Um, so this is where Gevers goes from passive aggressive to like kind of causing a little bit of problems to full on fuck you mode, right? Uh, he basically, in response to all of this, uh, prodding by, uh, by Arthur Bryman says, all right, that's it. 
you I, you need to make me the executive director of the foundation because I've been functioning in that role since the beginning, which would allow him to get another couple million dollars basically because he uh, he currently was only the uh, president of the board, which didn't allow him to take any more money out. He was getting he got whatever money he got for that. Now he wanted to get a salary on top of it. Uh, he also said that he was owed a certain amount of tokens. And that um, that Brightman had told him mouth to mouth at word that he could have him for fifty percent off uh, in the ICO allocation, um, and and ended up he was asking for a few million dollars basically over over the course of this. Arthur, of course, handles it as we've decided he's going to handle it, uh, and then he starts attacking the other board members. He starts going to them, being like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" and harassing them, trying to get them to stop this whole thing from happening. So again. He plays his hand wrong, and it's kind of like I'm experiencing this with the substratum community right now. I don't want to like toss. I don't want to talk about substratum, but they're they're like their community is so aggressive in attacking everything I say, and they're now they're downvoting everything I put on Reddit that it just makes me want to do more things to expose more of their shit. You know, like it's the same thing. Exact same thing, right? We play poker and somebody like tells you why they think you're better than why they think they're better than you or why you did something wrong, like. The only reaction you have is like, oh, I just want to play better against this person and I want to make sure that I get them next time. And like what people don't realize is that that's the worst thing you can do here, right? Yeah. So now he's prodding these other members and they're probably coming to Gevers like, what the fuck did you do to this guy? Like what's going on? And and Gevers just is over it. So he shuts down the foundation. He's like, all right, we're not doing a fucking thing until you give me all the money I just asked for. And until then, nobody gets paid. Nothing gets developed, nothing happens, and then he stops talking to everybody. So there's employees that are like begging him to give them money. There, there was a screenshot out there of somebody with zero dollars in their bank account. Like, dude, I, you were supposed to pay me. Like, what the hell happened? Uh, they, the whole thing comes crashing down, and he just brings it to a grinding halt. Um, and he refuses to talk to anybody. He's even having people like uh, sweep his office for bugs and stuff. Because not only will he not talk to anybody, he gets super paranoid and thinks that. Everybody is trying to record his conversations and stuff. So he becomes McAfee. Yeah, uh, no, he becomes President Trump, and I'm going to show you why. Whoa. He gets hit with a lawsuit and literally does the exact same thing that uh, that you expect from our president every time something new comes out about him maybe doing something illegal. He just is like, this is a witch hunt. They're coming after me. None of this is true, blah, blah, blah. So he, he basically just says this is all a conspiracy against him, and that's why he's not doing anything with the foundation because everybody's doing a conspiracy against him. So that is kind of – yeah, that is more that is more similar to our current president than our next president, Mike. Uh, I, just one piece of advice, and I'm going to keep this very broad because it can be applied broadly. If it's, if it's everybody – or you, it's probably you that's wrong, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> when there's a large group of people try to convince you of something, and you're the only one in opposition of it, like that's that's time to be a skeptic, right? Like that's what we talk about all the time. Look in the mirror, decide what's accurate, make a better decision. I'll talk on conspiracies real quick. Think about how hard it is to get people to shut the fuck up about like, oh hey, uh, blah 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 is pregnant, but don't tell anybody, like. Think about how hard it is to keep a secret that you've told to like three people or five people or eight people and now extrapolate that to thousands of people and ask them all to keep that secret. That's the problem with a lot of these conspiracy theories. So if like everybody is attacking this guy, there's literally 
tons of people that all have to be working together and nobody has to say anything to anybody about anything in order to make that the truth. So yeah, it's more likely the the other way. Now there have been some conspiracies in history that have been proven, but mo- for the most part, <laughs> they uh they're not. So um anyway, so yeah, this guy's saying it's all conspiracy. Uh it, this also kicked off a target on Tezos' back from the SEC. This is when they started to look at ICOs as uh, licensing or sending out unlicensed securities. They were the number one ICO at the time, and they're having all this. This is when the drama starts to come out. This is right around October 15th when they get hit with the lawsuit. Everybody starts to find out about this. So um, they, they it, it puts a target on all of their backs, and they're kind of still dealing with it where they're trying to figure out if this is a security or not. So uh, – so eventually, Gevers did did talk once. <laughs> not, not really once. I mean, he said a couple things, but he he makes this announcement that I just thought was hilarious. He announces that he's got a huge announcement for a new venture at his Minatus project, uh, this this other company that he had started before this. Uh, that would be the most important milestone since their founding. So he makes an announcement of an announcement and m- hypes it the fuck up. Twelve days later, they file for bankruptcy. <laughs> What? <laughs> Come on. I, I, I can't make this shit up. Like, this, Yep. So 12 days later. How is he trying to capitalize on that? I don't understand the plan. I have no idea what was going on there. Maybe he was going to pay that company. Some, maybe just the announcement was a bankruptcy. I have no idea, but I just thought it was hilarious. Um, finally, in February, he stepped down from the uh, from the board as the president after all the pressure. And there was this guy. So this guy, Ryan uh, Jessperson, is, was really active in the community. There were tons of different community um uh what are those called the signatures uh the petitions there were community petitions to get this guy to step down to stop holding the tezos project tezos project hostage and uh ryan was actually able to sit down with him got a little bit of an all branch out there and got at this point one of the other members of the foundation was paying uh gevers's rent like he was completely broke so um they they had already started a separate foundation called the T2 Foundation that was going to direct everything, and it was being funded by the Brightmans. They had spent a million and a half dollars on that foundation to keep things going while this whole shit was playing out. And fu- T2, I like that name a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they should just it should just be that. Like T2 is better than First Terminator anyway. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was. Now that's now he is the president of the of the actual Tezos Foundation. Um, the the only thing that I find I, I listened to an entire interview of him. He was super well spoken, and you had sent me that piece of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. Like this guy's a Mormon. Now, it, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that from from listening to him speak. Which because I'm I'm obviously like if somebody comes comes up to me and they're like, hey, there's this new guy who's running the foundation. Uh, by the way, he's a Scientologist. It's not like a big deal, but I would I would consider that a red flag. So I'm gonna kind of make like a half-ass joke about it, but also like, yeah, the guy's kind of a Mormon. So like, that's you know, on the like, look, all religion- I don't really know what that means. I'm gonna be fully honest. Like, look, I, I have some concepts, but like, I, I don't fully, I, I don't pay attention to these kind of things. So. <laughs> This might not be. A I wish Kareem was here, but but the yeah the, yes the, the quick version Kareem would have a lot to say on this topic is each religion requires a suspension of disbelief in some fashion, right? And some of them are more ridiculous than others. So if I tell you like somebody's a Scientologist or a flat earther or something like that, you're going to be like, what the fuck? And you're going to think it's crazy. 
Mormons were kind of the original one. And and, and I'm going to quote Kareem here because the – and he may be quoting somebody else when he tells me this. I don't know. But he says this all the time. He's like, the Mormon religion is – it was founded when we could like take pictures and have records and stuff like that. Like it's it's the modern era. It's like in the 1800s. So this guy, John Smith – Literally was just like, oh, I'm actually Jesus, and I found the well, not he's not actually Jesus, but the, but God spoke to him, trust him, and he went and found these tablets that had this writing on them that only he could read, nobody else could read it because he was super special, and and like it, it's just like another a ridiculous stretch of the truth, but like it's in the modern era, like I, this, this is like stuff we can look back on. It's like how did we what? So um so yeah, they're the. Mormon and they do some weird shit. They they do some weird shit. They don't drink, first of all. That's weird. Um, and there's some other things. So <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> no, they're uh, the weird. They, they like baptize people after they die and like weird stuff like that. So um, okay, like a lot of religions, I, we don't know what his upbringing was. A lot of religion is forced on people. Um, we we're not big fans of it, and I encourage everybody to be skeptics. Like we've right, mentioned right. several times in this episode, which is fine. I'm not just saying he's not just a Mormon. He ran a Mormon institution, like, and and used it as sounds like a good leader. Yeah, used it as part of his identity. So it was actually a good qualification for a leader. And he was just like he was telling stories on the interview that I listened to with him. He's like, "Well, as you know, I'm Mormon, so I don't drink." And it's it's like, all right, all right. So anyway, listen, I I just I've drawn a lot of comparisons between religion and crypto, and and. There's a lot of this that you have to just believe in, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm sick of talking about the price of Bitcoin because, like, people think that I'm like a Bitcoinist, right? Like, they think Bitcoin's a religion to some people, and I can't argue with them because I do have a lot of. I don't know cryptography. I don't. I. I, I am trusting a lot of things. Yeah. But, but there's a lot of smarter people than me that have proven things that I believe, right? And and that's the the consensus mechanism that I choose to use is a vast majority of computer scientists that can say this is true. I'm going to believe. All right, maybe we're insane. I don't know. Maybe we are insane that we're that we're in here, but I I won't I won't harp on that anymore. I just if you want to enjoy a nice way of watching what the Mormon religion is, there's a South Park episode and they have this song that they go through where they're like Joseph Smithy was a prophet. Dum 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 dum. And it's it's really good. So watch that if you haven't seen it. Uh, and that's it. All right. So we're gonna. That's like the, that's the history. I mean, that's that brings us up to where we are. There's obviously been a lot of technical developments in the meantime, but that's the that is the essence of the drama. That's what we have. And to sum it all to sum it all up, what I think is we had two people with a massive personality conflict, one of which communicated really poorly with somebody that was willing. To say, fuck you and your millions of dollars, I'm going to shut this down uh, because of the way he communicated. So he should have been a little bit nicer. And and in the end, uh, we have we have somebody who does appear to be very nice running running the foundation. But here's – and I was going to bring this up later, but but here's my, here's my problem. They have not established any other uh, founding body. There is – it's not like they're, they're like, oh, we learned our lesson. Let's distribute these funds to two other foundations so that they can all run in tandem. They're still running off the same foundation. So if this guy who's running it now, um, who, you know, he was kind of put there as like, he didn't really want it, but he was such a uh, a spur of the community. He was helping everybody along. He did everything so much to get to help Tezos. They wanted him to run it. So it's almost like public service where he was kind of like forced into it. He's like, no, no, no. All right, I'll do it. Uh, so, <laughs> so he seems like a little bit better than this other crazy dude, but... 
if he goes crazy, he could do the same thing. So they're, they're, they've got a bigger board, and hopefully the board would be more willing to keep him in check. But something like Cardano did, where you have three arms of the same beast that could all operate independently if one of them comes to a standstill, which would eventually be resolved in court. But in the meantime, it set Tezos back so far, it, it really tarnished their name. And I feel like they would have done something about it. So hopefully they decide to do that in the future because this is reasonably new. You know, this guy getting getting control. Uh, that was uh, only on October fifteenth, I think. So, um, uh, or no, I'm sorry. Uh, in fe- it was in February. So yeah, it was a while. So hopefully they do something. Anyway, from this point forward, that's all the drama. We're going to be talking about what the tech actually does. <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess my opinion of the situation, you know, I'm just going to recap it real quick. There's so many unique parts of this world, this business, um, a lot of a lot of really powerful and in- intelligent individuals with personality conflicts. Um, you know, there's plenty of social awkwardness at, at many levels. I, I don't know how much of that is necessarily involved here, but we see this over and over again. I'm going to go ahead and assume that like, I think most projects are going to have some sort of black eye, probably not this severe, but I think this is just unfortunately. And I even think, uh, Charles Hoskinson, uh, I was watching something, his opinion on, on Tezos and he was basically saying like, this is part of the growing process. This means being able to survive these types of hits really is what defines these networks, right? Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, that's what we're going to have to start accepting. It would be nice to have, you know, projects that didn't have major drama. <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, there's going to be a big difference between the, the Tezos and the Ethereums and Ethereum Classics of the world and the things like Walton Chain, most likely, you know, things that we kind of don't hear of anymore once they do shady shit. Um, you know, a lot of those projects are going to fade away, but some of these major ones are going to take really heavy damage and just still keep trucking. Yeah. All right. So usually we get into this a little bit quicker, but why don't we get into the rapid fire section and try to get some uh, some answers hammered out on Tezos. Brent. Wow, we're 30 minutes in. <laughs> Indeed. So let's get it started. Is Tezos a coin token or platform? They are a platform. Are they decentralized? Uh, despite all of that stuff that was brought to its knees by one person, the protocol itself is decentralized the funds are just being held by that uh foundation so yes they are decentralized is it proof of work or proof of stake it is a uh proof of stake it's a there's a little bit different to it but it is a proof of stake system yes is their mainnet live yep their mainnet's live Uh, they've got some things that need to come in and and update but for the most part it is live it's good to go does it sound cool? No, I don't know what the fuck te- Tezos is supposed to mean. The way it's written, I pronounce it Tezos, so I'm having a hard time actually pronouncing it correctly. And also, this is going to tarnish their name. So, with the uh, people are going to know about the biggest crypto scam of all time, which is the name of this article that I was linked to to kind of get the real story. <laughs> That's what it was called. It gave a good synopsis of the story, but the title of the story was "Biggest Crypto Scam Ever," and it was like uh, it took me like three hours to read it because it was so long. And I was like taking notes and stuff. So <laughs> I, I read about half of that article. It was it was something. yeah. It was really there was a <laughs> lot of extra information there that you didn't need that could have been like a thirty minute read, but whatever. I, I hear you, man. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get into the features and structures a little bit. Let's try to talk about the nuts and bolts. Let's why we're here. We're here for the tech. What do you got? 
So first thing I'm going to say is I might use the word cycle while I'm talking about this. A cycle is about somewhere between two and three days. Uh, it's 4,096 blocks, and the blocks are each about a minute long. So um, the the, plat- the platform is a liquid delegated proof of stake, and which is um, not quite the same as just a delegated proof of stake because it has a different number of stakers at all times. Many of the delegated proof-of-stake systems have a specific number of people who validate the network. This one will give a different number of people based on the number of people that are staking and how much they're staking. So there is an oh, algorithm All right. There. So I, I kind of want to try to understand this. So one of our complaints about something like EOS, for example, they only have 21 delegates to validate the blocks. Is that – am I recalling that correctly? Uh, yes. Roughly? Okay. So if that – let's assume that that's accurate. Um those are the top 21 people that get voted on all all throughout the process. Right. So what you're saying is that if the number of stakers increase, the number of delegated stakers could fluctuate based on how much participation in the yes. network. It, so the number of people that could win a block reward changes because in order to be part of the system, which actually I'll get into that uh after we take care of a little bit more of the the basis stuff, but okay. I'll get into specifically how this how this is going to work. Gotcha. It uses a programming language called OCaml Pro that kind of is uh, it's built from the ground up. I, I don't really understand why it's a good choice or why it isn't a good choice, but I just wanted to mention that that's what it was. Uh, like I said, they've got a one minute block time, and their goals were to deal with the four main problems that they saw with Bitcoin, which was number one was hard forks. And in order to deal with uh, hard forks, um, they have made it so that their code doesn't fork. So we'll go into that in the governance section. They didn't like the cost or centralization of Bitcoin. So the cost of mine or the centralization of the mining pools um, for proof of work or Bitcoin specifically, which is why they use proof of stake. Arguably, whether or not that actually solves the problem, you know, we'll see. Uh, they're, uh, they didn't like the limited expressiveness of Bitcoin, which is what all of the extra projects are, right? Like we, we've said it before. The reason we like to talk about these other projects is because Bitcoin is super simple at its core, but that's also why these projects all fuck up too. So, uh, the, so they wanted to, they wanted to fix that and, um, and the, the security concerns of, of the different networks. So they have smart contracts to deal with the expressiveness situation. Their uh, their smart contracts are a little bit different than Ethereum. On Ethereum, if you have a certain number of calculations, you can just put them all in the same block. It can be a ton of them. Uh, this one, uh, Tezos, has a cap on the amount of steps you can take in a computation for your dApps. So there's a little bit of a limiting factor there. I I think I when I was watching a video by Arthur, I think basically his goal for this was to have language that was able to be understood by anybody and and the way it was kind of being presented at the time if I'm if I'm understanding correctly basically like you don't want to have to like hire a lawyer to have to explain a smart contract right like or a developer to explain that, a smart contract to a lawyer right 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 so basically like he I believe he was talking about basically ways to simplify smart contracts in a way that the language was concrete and just could not be argued right that sounds very difficult but Obviously, that would be an, an excellent undertaking and a very worthwhile thing to go into. I didn't look at the code. I, so Kadena is a project that was also uh, doing something similar to that. And they were uh, they were on stage with me at Beyond Blocks, which is why I looked into it. And um, Charles had a lot of really good things to say about that code. 
but it's written in the instead of in shorthand where you see something that is like you know uh sin and then you do some stuff and you're like oh what does that mean and you're like oh that means like uh synchronize your tools with this and you're like how am i supposed to know that oh over here so uh this says things like in order to do this you must synchronize this so i don't know if their code's like that that'd be interesting to look at i i should have i should have done more research on what ocaml pro was but i'm not a coder so i don't know so i'm glad you looked at that but I want to say they made OCaml Pro or they, I feel like the, it might have been a, a complete, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. That, that was an impression that I got that it was like from scratch. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the, 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 the Kadena code, I uh, was, int- I, I wish I'd looked at this. The Kadena code, um, the, the representative from them was Marie, Marie Leaf. She was the, the project lead. And I looked at this and I was talking to her before we went on stage. I was like, this is, I, I could read that. I understood what it said. And she's like, well, yeah, that's the point. So I'm, I'm interested to see if it's like this. <laughs> um, all right. So the so here, the um, the liquid delegated proof of stake is the, the big meat and cheese, all of it, of this, right? So here's kind of how it works. In order to, in, instead of just staking your coins, you're actually creating a bond with your coins with the network. And you have to have a certain number of coins available for however long you're staking and those get locked up for the uh the equivalent of five cycles so it's like 15 days when you lock them up and you have to continually lock these up if you want to continue to get the rewards and if you do anything that is considered adversarial to the network you lose your bond so it is uh it is put into the network and then it's given back to you and it takes a lot to to run this so you need 2560 XTZ per block in bonds to get the uh, to get the baking rewards is what they're called, and um, I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry not per block per cycle. It, oh okay, I was yeah like, yeah it's a lot. Well, there's how every many minute. blocks yeah, per yeah. cycle? Oh, the blocks okay. are every minute, so no it, it's uh, <laughs> it, per cycle you need twenty five sixty. So every three days you have to lock up another twenty five sixty, and it only gets released after five cycles, and it changes every time based on other blocks from it's a total of 12 cycles that they look at so block 100 checks at block 107 and then block 107 decides how much it costs and then block 108 checks at block 101 and when you do on 107 it locks up to 112 and when you do 108 it locks up to 113 so you have to uh you have to invest i guess that's the multiply that by five and that's what you need to make sure this stuff is rolling Really, you need a sixth amount to make sure you don't have too much. Because if you over-delegate yourself, you don't get the rewards. You just get your bond back without the rewards if you happen to get your block reward. So anybody who's put a bond into the network now has the ability to be rewarded with the bread. (laughs) Because they're calling it baking and they're getting bread, which is like money, I guess. And... I saw some cute graphics. I thought it, I thought it was a decent analogy. Yeah, it, it it does sound kind of funny, but yeah, you get you get rewarded that way. So it's a really tough calculation to keep up with, which is why what they've come up with is they have a the ability to delegate your coins. So if you decide to delegate to one of these delegation pools, you can get you can set you could say okay, these ten thousand are delegated to this pool, and they give you a certain percentage return on your money after they take a cut for doing all of the work on figuring out how to do the staking. So uh, there's also another way you can do it called uh, uh, called a uh, baking pool, I think, or a bond pool, which is super risky. I, you know, if you decide to be part of a bond pool, 
You're sending well, your money to the person. Well, I, I'm going to stop you here. It's probably a lot like a proof of stake pool. It's probably – there's there's other things like this. It, it's probably a centralized option. It's probably very risky. Do your research. Probably don't look into yeah, this. Yeah, I, I mean you, you can do it if you want. Just realize – you send your you're sending your tokens to somebody and hoping they send you back. It's risk versus reward, right? There's probably they take less fees, yeah. Yeah, I mean it. It's probably good if if there's enough trust involved, but unfortunately, we try to remove trust from the equation when we right. can. And it's built right into the code to just do it the delegated way. So I would suggest doing that one of the two, but that's just me. So um, <laughs> I was looking at that at first. At first, I thought that's how all of them were done, and I was like, what the. F- no way this could possibly go wrong. And then I realized there were very few people that were actually doing the uh, the baking pools, and it was mostly these delegated pools. So if you go to um, there, there's a website, it's uh, mytezosbaker.com. You can see all the different pools. The only risk that you have here with send with delegating your coins to these baking pools is you need to make sure they have enough money in them to actually get paid, because it's possible that they won't get paid the full amount of rewards if they over delegate themselves. So, um, how do you over delegate? That's, I, I guess I don't understand. Basically that. they, they put so much in a, they put, uh, too much in a bond or uh, let me, wait, let me see if I'm, they can put too much in a bond and not have enough to fill the next bond by the time those lockups are ready to come back. Like, um, so if you had, uh, 20,000 and you needed to put 5,000 in each time, when you got to the sixth time, you might not have that first amount back. So you're not going to get any rewards for that last period or something similar. Over over delegating involves just not keeping enough backup funds to deal with the fact that okay, it's so dynamic. like for example, if you staked twenty thousand Tezos on a single cycle, you would do worse than cycling the same amount over five cycles. Right. Yeah, is that what I'm then, understanding. Then okay, it so out. that's yeah. over delegating. Okay. Um, so there have been pools that do that, and and they. So they're getting less rewards in the pools that don't because some portion of what they're doing is not getting rewards when it goes in. And it's all done through a randomness pick picking. So they, these are the people that are producing the blocks. Like these nodes, when you go into the and put the bond into the network, you are the one who gets the transaction fees and the um and the reward for that block when it comes out. So that's another another reason for the pools is they start to uh, distribute the risk. Um so uh, other now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you real quick. Is is baking live? Uh, I think it is starting like really soon. Well, no, it actually, okay. Oh, we don't. No, know. it is live. It is. It's definitely live. It it okay. is recent. It's super recent. So. I thought I saw something that said baking was coming in 2019. Oh no! Uh, no, no. I, 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 yeah. Okay. So it's live, but the uh the, the amount you need is going up Q1 of 2019 or something. So they're changing the okay. way baking works then. So it, a portion of it is live. The information that I'm working off of, I've got a YouTube video in the show notes uh, that uh, that was from the president of the foundation kind of explaining uh, – I'm sorry, not the president of the foundation. It was uh, somebody else. I think he ran one of the baking pools kind of explaining how this goes. Um, the technical white paper was really, really, really hard to read. And they had a um, another one called their position paper that was an easier read that explained why they were doing things, but didn't explain how it worked. So a lot the white papers that I like to read are like, yeah, we're going to do this, and they give it to you in jargon, and then they tell you, so basically this is what this means. Um, but uh, and, and honestly, I did so much research 
on the other parts of this that when I when it came down to the baking situation, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna take this guy at his word. So the end result is what you, the takeaway you need from the baking is that it is that is dynamic. You're gonna need a decent amount of funds to do it, and then you're going to need to either delegate your funds to a pool and let them handle it for you, or um, or you're gonna need to handle it yourself, which is going to require keeping up with all of the um, intricacies. All right, so outside of the rewards and how they work, we'll get into the governance in a second, but I just wanted to tackle a couple more things I hadn't mentioned yet. The fee is a default 0.05 Tez, which is right around 40-something cents right now, so you know that's like 20 cents. Or two is cents. Tez sorry. the ticker? Yeah. Uh, no, XTZ is the ticker. They're called... Oh, okay. A one unit is called a Tez. And Ooh. the XTZ is the ticker. Or it's, maybe it's called a Tezzy. I think it's called a Tezzo. I think Tezzies are the people who like Tezos. It's hard to keep this shit straight, man. We haven't done a one-on-one in a while. All right. <laughs> We're doing a great we, job, though, buddy. Keep there's it a up. reason we put this off. We knew this was going to be a lot of information. Um, so the, the fees are dynamic, just like Ethereum. So you can they can go up and down depending on the congestion of the network. And it's a capable of about 40 transactions per second. So those are important factors. And that kind of that kind of does it for the features and structure. I mean, they're they're going to have more things being put onto their system, and I'm going to explain how that happens in a second. But for now, that's kind of what we're working with. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty in depth, and that was very interesting, as I expected. Uh, thank you for all that. So, why don't we? Is there anything else you want to cover in the feature and structures? I feel like, you know, I like the the liquid delegated proof of stake. That is a pretty interesting concept. Um, you know, the smart contracts are going to be pretty simple, I, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Super cool. I guess the baking is kind of unique. Um, I don't see the benefits. Is there any anything that comes off the top of your head as far? Because I know, let's look at some other proof of stake systems real quick. Like there's like master node layers and some networks have a couple different layers but these are like mini short-term master nodes that you just like fire through the the dishwasher and just see what happens like, i think I it know. has to do so when we get into the governance in a second I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that one of the things they do is after a year if your coin hasn't or if your wallet hasn't had anything happen with it it doesn't count towards voting anymore so it doesn't count towards a couple of things it doesn't count towards the quorum and it doesn't count towards the actual vote so uh, this was for the tragedy of the commons, yeah. right? Okay, which hey, that's a that's a really big problem that is gonna f- you know any solutions or temporary solutions we can find for that. Um, generally, I'm a fan of. Yep. So, all right. Well, let's move on to the governance then. Let's see what else uh, we need to stress on. Well, governance is huge for them. So they that was kind of one of their big selling points is they want this on chain governance to function right. I don't think it's as game theory optimal as we're gonna end up getting from like a. Uh, from a um iohk iohk but it it may get there and in fact i don't see any reason why they wouldn't implement that if it comes out and it makes sense but so right now in theory there's no forks um that i guess you could take the code and make your own tezos coin but if you if the if something happens inside the network it's not about who updates their wallet and who doesn't update their wallet the wallet's update automatically so it there are not forks on the system so in order to get things changed there are voting cycles every 3 months so the voting cycles are completely different from the other cycles that we were talking about voting cycles take place every 3 months and in order for a vote to pass they require a quorum of nodes to participate um, I, I feel like these numbers are super high so i'm hoping that they either change them or actually get them i'm not sure um, but uh, the 
it starts at 80 percent of the of the available coins for voting and it shifts dynamically each time that there's a voting period so based on the last one so if the last one only had a hundred thousand nodes participate then 80 percent of that plus a little bit is required for the next participation so I guess at the first time only 10% of people participate, then it automatically corrects itself and it's good to go. Um, so in order to get a quorum, they need at least that number of people. You start at 80% of that work. I have no idea what it's at now. Uh, each of the cycles then is further divided into four quarters of the cycle. So in the first quarter of the cycle, amendments are suggested. Uh, the amendments right now are just about core code updates, but they're going to be similar to a DAO where the amendments will come in and they will have an invoice attached to them that will be paid from the foundation. And the uh, they will, I think they'll be paid from the foundation. I don't think there's any sort of a treasury. I could have missed that, but I don't think so. And, and um, We always reserve the right to miss something. If we messed anything up, please contact us in our Discord server. We'll be happy to correct it on our next flagship. Podcast at gmail.com. Yell at us. Tell us we're stupid. Uh, sorry, that was a couple episodes ago. All right, so the... So that's when all the amendments are put in and everybody starts to vote. And again, they need quorum for these to pass. So everybody votes whether these amendments are going to go in and be uh, started the approval process or not. So the one with the most votes from the first uh, from the first piece, the, the amendment, with the, the amendment most with the most votes actually is the one that goes to the full vote. So everybody votes on which one they want. And then the one with the most votes is the one that gets voted on. Uh, and then. The stakeholders either approve, deny, or abstain. And abstain is actually super important because it is part of the quorum. So if you don't give a shit, at least say you don't give a shit, and then they can actually make a choice. If they meet quorum and they get 80% approval of the people that vote, then it gets put onto a testnet and starts to work its magic. It replaces the testnet code and starts to be the new code for the testnet, and it goes around. In the fourth quarter, they now decide... If the test net replaces the main net. So that's all of their decision making process. It's either in the beginning, it can be anything, but then it's just binary. It's is it or well, I guess ternary because of the abstain, but it's just is this going to be implemented or not? And then when it's on the test net, you can see how it functions. And if it functions fine with no issues, okay, has there been enough time? Is this implemented or not? And then more than likely they're going to want to give more time so that it may not pass the first time, but it takes a long time for that one to be replaced. As a testnet. So once they've decided the testnet can replace the mainnet, everybody agrees, it goes in. Again, the supermajority of 80% to me seems really hard to achieve. Think about if 80% of anybody voting for anything needed to agree. That's hard. Well, that to me, that yeah, that just says it's going to, it takes a lot to change the code, right? If you're going to rewrite the constitution and you're going to change every wallet, then it's got to be something that is pretty consensus yeah, yeah I, look it's gotta be it's good to require a lot it may be bad to require too much so i don't know what the magic number is because i've never done research into that just thinking from a game theory standpoint 80 percent seems like a lot like i i probably couldn't pull 80 percent of my facebook friends to say that puppies are cute you know like <laughs> uh it's it, it's tough so but that's part of a decentralized process, right? Like this is just is what it is. And if if there's a, enough people that want things changed, it can be changed. But otherwise, it's going to stay mm -hmm. as is. So for now, they're doing a lot of different amendments to try and iterate pretty quickly because obviously in the beginning is when the code is the most vulnerable. So they need to be changing it a lot. Um, so uh, that's that's how their governance works. It, it's it's kind of, it's interesting. I should have looked into whether a lot of these had passed or failed or what, but 
Um, governance is going to be super important. A lot of these coins fail because of their governance. Maybe not even fail, but they, they come to a problem. Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin as Cash SV, uh, Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. I mean, there's so many coins that have come to an impasse in governance and split off into two projects because they they didn't have a way to figure it out. And on-chain governance is super important for scalability, in my opinion, and in the opinion of everybody on that panel that I did, which is funny because the audience didn't agree. Audience wants to know about transactions per second. But <laughs> but the people who were building this stuff were up there saying, no, governance is the most important thing that matters. Well, let's be honest, right? Govern- governance has been a four-letter word in, in America for a long time. It's it's been longly, you know, accepted that we don't trust politicians. We don't. We, it's out of our hands. Our votes don't count. Blah 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 blah. And if you if you train yourself that that's your mentality, then that's going to leak into other parts of your life. Uh, you know, I don't have those opinions. I'm willing to say like things can change and there's going to be, you know, hope for the future. I think governance is a super important issue. And I think that I'm glad that people are tackling it at the level that these projects are. Ethereum, Tezos, Cardano, IOHK, all of these, all of these angles are going to create some number of answers. And of those number of answers, we're going to keep narrowing down and get a better answer. And, and hopefully that just keeps growing. And this is a very, very interesting part of this. I, I like this a lot. Yep. Go, uh, I'm, I love governance. I love looking at all the different governance models and it is, it is super cool. Oh, and one vote equals one test. So there's not any like, you know, master nodes or anything Can't like buy that. Votes yeah, you, and- you can delegate them. You can delegate your votes the same way when you delegate for your, uh, for your bread making or your baking or whatever they're calling that you get, um, you know, you, you give your votes away as well, as, as far as I understand. You can take them back, so it's liquid in that fashion. But, um, yep, that's that. All right. Pretty interesting discussion. I feel like we've hit quite a few things. Um, are you ready to move on to the pros and cons, the trade-offs? Yeah, or? I, I want to start calling this section the trade-off profile because it's it's like something it. that I've heard. <laughs> I, I, love, I don't know how many times I'm going to suck Charles' dick, but, but the... <laughs> It's something that I've heard him say, and it just makes perfect sense. Like every coin is a trade-off profile. Like there is, you know, there, there's that trade-off may be that it's a complete scam, but the you know BitConnect. Well, but that trade-off may also be a hybrid proof-of-work, proof-of-stake system because of what their transactions per second need. Or it, there's so many things that yeah, can, you can be, be trading a trade-off. Centralization. And, you know, we, have, we see that all the time. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we said, not every project has the same centralization or decentralization needs. Um, yeah, let's go over a few of these trade-offs here. Uh, where where do you want to start? Or do you have, do you have a preferred so, way to handle so this? Here's here's what uh, let's do it this way. Here's what you're getting, and here's what you're giving up. So uh, you're getting a really cool on-chain governance system. You're getting uh, reasonably low fees. You're getting. Uh, what seemed to be a reasonable community, you're getting, you know, the no fork thing, even though it's functionally kind of equivalent to a fork. I like the branding idea because people are sick of forks. Um, you're you're getting the quorum for the voting, which nobody that I know of has implemented on there. None, nothing that we've covered, at least. What, what does that mean? I, I guess what is a vote? The quorum? minimum what? amount required for the vote to be valid. The 80 percent like one person can't vote. So there's always a number of votes that need to pass. For it to even be a vote. Oh. Otherwise... Oh, a minimum number of votes in order to, for the network to acknowledge yes. any of the votes. So that's that's why abstaining is so important. So if it comes back, it, then it comes back again as another quorum <laughs> with a lower requirement. So, um, 
so yeah, that's a really cool idea. You're also getting reasonably quick transactions. These blocks are a minute. You know, they're they're not going to go make the decentralized exchange or, or do a one second transaction like Nano, but they're a lot faster than Ethereum. Um, they they at forty transactions per second and. The foundation has a lot of money to work with, even though we've been through the bear market. Remember, they were in July of last year when the prices were about what they are today. So they still have all that money available. They're not one of the ICOs that raised $100 million in December, and now they've got 50 bucks. Like they're, They still have a lot of money to, to spend. This guy, this this dude that fucked with the foundation didn't get away with anything. Like they, it, The foundation kind of worked the way it was supposed to work. Like It stopped them from getting the money. He just fucked the project up for a while, so um, so that's all the that's all of the things that you get, and, and here's some of the things you need to be kind of. I, I made a note on your first one here because I kind of want to talk about this. I, I let's zoom in on it. Um, you made a note here that you said the name may be tarnished, and first off, I, I agree with yes. that assessment that the the name is tarnished. Um, but my first thought was, I think they would be worse off with a rebrand. I don't know. So here, so here's what I was thinking on this. The reason the name being tarnished matters is because they're a platform. They need to attract decentralized applications to them. They need to have people that are willing to build on Tezos and they need to create this ecosystem. If the first thing that comes to somebody's mind to think of Tezos is all the bullshit that happened at the beginning of the episode one, they're not doing it the right justice. I mean, that that was a cool story to tell, but it isn't their whole story. It, it, it is also kind of a testament to the fact that the foundation setup kind of worked. I mean, work, putting it in Zug, Switzerland was a reason for – there were a couple of reasons. One, it was friendly as far as like crypto was concerned. But two, Swiss foundations like have some good laws in place to stop people from doing what they do here in the U.S. For, for instance, our president just dissolved his foundation. His charitable foundation because uh, oh, I might have fucked up. So yeah, the name being tarnished matters. So so with, part of this trade-off profile is you need to know that you're coming in. Now that may make it undervalued as well. I don't understand how like the values and with the names work, but I mean that's an excellent point. Like the the situation is still that they are Tezos and they are ran by a lot of people and they they still have funding. Um, a lot of those things are not changed. So a rebrand, it could help attract new customers. But I think the research that is out there and the people that have already established themselves in the space, I think it's getting to a point where top projects just have – they just have stories, man. They just have history. And we can't just keep hiding and trying to sweep everything under a rug when it happens, in my opinion. That's yes. um, one of the things that I like about Ethereum Classic is that, you know, immutability, like, that's that's not what we're here for. We're here to just do it the right way in the way that we see it in our eyes. I like that some of these projects are going to have warts, and I think they add character, and I, and, and I, and I really do think it's a, it's a positive in the long run. Eh. I also think Tezos was a shitty brand in the first place, so rebanding would be great. I actually disagree. I actually meant to mention that. I actually think it's a pretty cool day. Usually, we disagree on that topic pretty often, but it's it's simple, and it doesn't get confused for just about anything else. If I say Tezos, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's one of the most important things to me. But do you know exactly what I'm talking about because of Tezos or because of the drama? I don't know. Maybe that makes it more recognizable. I have no idea, but... I told you, man. I tried to buy Tezos before I knew yeah, how yeah, well it true. worked. Look, it's a, it, it's part of the trade-off profile. Like you got to be comfortable with this, this baggage. All right. So 
I think you own the baggage, man. Yeah. I really do. That, so I feel like this is a trade-off. Yeah, you, you have to be comfortable with the fact that while the foundation expanded its board, they didn't diversify into any other entities. So that foundation still has control over the funding needed to get the project going. It may be in good hands now. Is that person always going to be in good hands? Are they always going to be somebody that you want? Especially when we know that one of the people that that person's having to deal with, uh, Brightman, is possibly prone to being an asshole. Now, maybe he was only an asshole to this guy because he's an asshole. I don't know. But think about that when you're, when you're kind of involved here. The functional difference between a fork and the self-amendment system is semantics, in my opinion. So, you know, I don't know. Somebody might shit on that. That's a tiny, tiny, tiny trade-off. I think it's the, and obviously the language that they're that they're programming in is not common at all. So you're going to have brand new developer or not brand new developers, but developers in developing in a brand new language, <coughs> which could lead to some issues. But one, they'll have less developers to check from. But two, the way they're doing this on a test net first, I think they might they're probably going to be okay with any of the possible mess ups in the code. It sounds like they're there. It sounds like their scientific process is very solid, yeah. right? It sounds like their workflow, their dotting their I's and crossing their T's is, is very, very solid. Obviously with, you know, a big minor or a big, you know, glare at the beginning with where it sounded like some just poor decisions were made. And, and unfortunately in business and especially early on in businesses, I, you know, we made a lot of bad decisions mm-hmm. early and, you know, we're just going to keep growing and learning and, and, yeah, I don't want to harp on that too much longer, but the the entire profile here is very last thing. The staking super complicated, so yeah, that's kind I of was, eternal. You know, so when they, when you were talking about the the liquid the uh, the liquid um, proof of stake, I was I was hoping it would be a lot simpler. It's, it almost seemed like um, I, I still fail to see how the baking is beneficial to the network. Right? It seems like an unnecessary wrinkle and complication that might be trying to get too cute. Maybe, or we just don't understand code and we're idiots. More likely, <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I want to understand what what the benefits are because the you know my brain doesn't work like a coder's. I don't I don't see why. T- Patches of, of clumps would I don't know I just, yeah I feel I just like there's know. probably a really good reason for it but but I don't know what it is and in the in the meantime the other level one investors are probably going you know like like myself are gonna be just as confused so so there was no like FAQs or anything like that on the website I think they need to do a little bit better job of making it uh, easier to consume for your average person because remember we need to get to grandmas eventually and um, the average. If the average crypto consumer can't quite grasp what's going on, then the average dad isn't going to grasp anything, and the average grandma's never going to touch it. So, uh, so that's it. Uh, the, that that's the trade-off profile you're working with, and this is a uh, this is a project that we're uh, you know I'm I, I'm not going to include it in a portfolio personally anytime soon. I don't think, but they could make some changes that would make me want to include it. If they started to hold some of those funds from the foundation in a DAO, I'd be all over it. Yeah, actually, I, we haven't quite got to the personal future outlook yet, but I think it's going to be a little more positive than I expected. Not that we are financial advisors, but on the off chance that somebody decided that they wanted to purchase this, where would they go? It is not available on uh, Binance. So Binance has not added them yet, probably due to what we discussed at the beginning of the episode. Uh, the top one for the volume was UEX. Kraken has it. Uh, HipBTC. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Was the third in volume? Bitfinex has it. It's on Bitfinex. Yeah. I thought Bitfinex was like really didn't have many. Oh no, altcoins. they do. Yeah, Bitfinex is a bunch of altcoins. Um, 
ETH Finex is where they hold a lot of the ERC twenty tokens, or it's their like decentralized one. But but Bitfinex has a decent amount of uh, altcoins. I'm thinking of Bitmex. I think I think Bitmex might only be. Is that, is that the leverage one? Yeah, that's the one where all the tether stuff is. Is yeah. that Bitmex? Okay, I think. All right, that's what I'm mixing up. Anyway, those are <laughs> normally when we do the where can you buy it? Unless it's one of the smaller projects we've covered, it's just like everywhere. But no, these are. Uh, Kraken being the biggest, I, th- I don't know that UAX. Yeah, I, I have no issues. I have no issues co-signing a previous statement. You said he hit BTC is garbage. <laughs> I hate that site. I I do not recommend that to anybody. And uh, I wish Tezos was not on. Yep. It. I wish anything was on it. Just yeah. Go away. All right. Uh, who are the competitors? Any of the platforms, Ethereum, uh, EOS, any of the any of the platforms that we've covered are going to be competitors to this. Um, is this the is this the Ethereum of Wall Street? The Ethereum of Wall Street. You know they every they, they say the Ethereum of something. That running joke. Icons the Ethereum. Oh of, oh uh, oh. I don't know if it would be the Ethereum of Wall Street. It could be the <laughs> Ethereum of Zug Switzerland. <laughs> All right, Brent. Personal future outlook time. My favorite part. Forget. All everything that we've talked about, only thing that matters, your opinion, facts out the window. What is your personal future? Uh, so I see there being a possible new issue with the foundation because of the way it's set up right now. So and and I also see them coming to an impasse at some point about some sort of a code upgrade, and also being at a similar impasse with adding something that lowers the amount of the votes. If we're really requiring this much to pass something, and Let's say you need 80% and it's really split like 51, 48 and people just aren't budging. Well, now if you put something in and you're like, hey, well, okay, but let's uh, let's pass this to lower the threshold a little bit so we can move forward. Well, the people who are on the side that's going to be the winning side are going to vote for it. But the people who are on the side that's not going to be the winning side are going to vote against it and be like, no, we, we're not going to vote for that because if we lower the threshold, you're going to win. And you're going to get stuck. So I feel like that is a legitimate concern, like game theory wise, that we're going to come that we're going to come up to. And maybe that'll be solved before it becomes a problem. Uh, also, you know, that like I said, the foundation um, is I think I already said this. I, don't, I got lost in that last train of thought. But, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the foundation could go through the same thing again. However, all that being said, uh, they have a cool they have a cool setup. They. When you look at strictly tech, they appear to be better than Ethereum uh, the way they are right now. I mean, depending on what you think about proof of stake versus proof of work. But if you are willing to accept that this is a decentralized situation, then um, they are a decentralized and secure situation. Then they are, um, you know, they they have a lot of advantages. So Ethereum will evolve as always. Like Vitalik says, the, the Ethereum killer is the next Ethereum upgrade, not, you know, EOS. But right. Yeah, I. I I think they're going to be around for a little while because they haven't really had a chance to mature. They haven't had a chance to be part of the ecosystem in the way that they deserve. They're they're way up there in market cap for a coin that's not even listed on Binance, and they're going to be tested in the future. What do you mean by like tested? we're going to we're going to test what happens when a community gets behind them, when a lot of people start investing, when a lot of projects start to put D apps on their platform. We're going to see what happens. Like we see a lot of people developing on EOS despite our misgivings with it. So you know we'll see how this goes. It's always tough because we want to remain critical, but we also want to remain open-minded to the fact that we can be wrong pretty often. Um, I want to create a category of altcoins that Tezos would definitely be featured in where it's just like, 
it's hard to know, man. It's like I, I see all the good signs and I see some bad signs and I and I'm kind of torn in between. You know, I've, um, EOS doesn't quite fall into this category. They're more on the bad side. I think Ripple is falling into this category for me a little bit where like I, I, don't, I don't agree with their centralization model that they currently have. But like, I, I don't think they're a scam. I, I don't think that, you know, it, it's a fraud. It's just not something I'm going to recommend. So it's, it's kind of difficult where similar to how we were saying, you know, uh, with the voting, yay, nay, or, or decline, like I, I kind of need a, an unsure category or, or let's call it the bench category. Got some people that are riding the pine that maybe won't, maybe one day yeah. when they show a little <laughs> spark in practice, we'll give them a, We'll give him a look, and and Michael Jordan did that for a couple of years. I so. like the bench. I like that term because I don't I don't want to cut up. They're yeah. not free agents, right? Tezos is not a no. free agent to me, right? They're 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 in the they're in the conversation, and they're they're going to be part of the future. EOS, in I don't know if they're a role player. I don't know if they're a star. EOS is like the Kareem Hunt, like they put they punched a bitch in the face, and we <laughs> cut them right away. But uh, you know, Tezos might be the Josh Gordon. He's got a lot of drama, but he might be he might be one of the best receivers out there. You never know. That's that's true. He's a Patriot now. Let's see uh let's see what he does in the postseason. Bill Belichick is the Warren Buffett like, of football. I feel like Randy Boss he got traded midseason also. I feel like he did nothing in the regular season and then he like lit it up in the playoffs. It was almost like Belichick just waited to unleash yeah, well, him. Well <laughs> yeah. Belichick is definitely the Warren Buffett of football, man. He buys low and sells high. Like that, every quarterback he's ever traded away has been dog shit. <laughs> like, well, yeah, he just whatever his players are worth anything, yeah. he just sells them, right? Like Richard Seymour, two first rounders for the Raiders. <laughs> Bye. Yep. All right, that's a little bit off topic, but hey, it's the end of the episode. episode you know what that and means. I don't care. So listen, I want to talk about Patreon real quick, Mike. We launched oh, Patreon last Friday, and and it has been. Awesome to watch people sign up for that. Like I was not ready for the number of people that were going to sign up for that so quickly. I thought we'd get like a dollar or two and I'd be like, oh, come on, guys. So we were already at like 16 or 17 bucks last I checked. And that's awesome. We're we're going to keep asking for it. Please, a dollar an episode will keep us afloat. At some point, we're going to get to the point where we break even. We'll throw a little bit of a party uh, and, and be like, oh, my God. Who, who, who's who's well, well we're not bleeding money any further. <laughs> put it that way right 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 <laughs> so once we're not bleeding money anymore, anymore that's gonna be nice but thank you to everybody who has uh, already signed up as a patron we're gonna list those names off on the flagship episode when it when it airs on friday you might be listening to this on thursday hopefully um i don't know if it's gonna get edited in time but if we were supposed to record this at 9 a.m ish or 10 a.m ish i had to ask for more time i was like i need till tonight and we recorded it at 9 p.m which we almost never do i i put probably half as much research into this as i've put into pretty much any of our episodes and i was not anywhere close to ready to to do the presentation yeah, and i did. missed a bunch so of stuff we knew it was a lot and we wanted to do it justice and that's why i, I told brent i was going to try to co-research a little bit you know that's not always easy for us we have I, i've been at the hospital for four days yeah sakes but you know we're we're doing fine on that end i don't want to bring that up uh let's go ahead and wrap up the episode brent is there any any actions at the end we want to add here? Uh, join our Discord. Like, uh, if you if we said something you don't agree with, if we if we said something that was wrong, more importantly, we really will print and and speak all of the retractions that we need to. So, join our Discord. Come in and tell us, like, yo, y'all motherfuckers got this wrong. Like, what is wrong with you? And we'll tell you as long as you're nice about it. If uh, <laughs> it. No, actually, I don't think I've ever kicked. I, I've kicked out like you know bots out of the Discord, but I don't think I've ever kicked a person out. So that's uh, 
that's kind of cool. So we've had a couple spam. Yeah, yeah, pop we, we have an entire category in there. Mm-hmm. Like when you get something for email from a scammer or like a, a private message from a scammer, you just like fucking post them in there so that people know. But yes, Discord is our home that we like to link everything through there. We mentioned that earlier he posted a Reddit post and it links right into our Discord. Every time we respond on Twitter, it goes right into there. It is a really cool hub for all of our crypto activity. And uh, it's, it's definitely a really interesting yep. learning. Ground. So that's the. Best way to contact us, or you can email us cryptobasicpodcast.com or on, or, or, I'm sorry, cryptobasicpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to cryptobasicpodcast.com to check us out. And I think the Ledger Nano is still 30% off when we get like a cut of that. So feel free to go uh, grab one of those. Boom. They're great Christmas presents, y'all. <laughs> Indeed. All right. That's going to do it for the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name was Mike, and I was here with Brent. Thanks again for tuning in. Members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They are pretty much morons. Don't listen to anything that they say. All investments have inherent risk. Do your own research. Never invest anything more than you can afford to lose.